Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we've got Nicole King from northern Wisconsin on the show for the first time. Nicole is a year-round angler, a multi-species angler. Nicole fishes all the time, and in this episode, uh, she's going to help me, for the first time on the JMO Podcast, highlight kayak fishing. Kayak fishing is definitely growing in popularity. It's been around since forever. This kayak fishing has definitely blown up, and I don't just mean like you know, the, the, the tournament world, uh, recreational anglers have access and are building up these super, like just impressive setups. And Nicole is definitely one of them. I mean, she's, she's been doing this a long time. She's got an awesome setup. She loves the sport. And that's what we get to know, uh, from her in this episode is uh, just, you know, just entertaining stories and just listening to the passion and the experience behind it, but also a lot of technical information, a lot of great information to learn from and we're talking about electronics in, in this episode we're talking about uh, the technology that goes into making these things but also just you know the fishing and what it takes to be successful in a kayak to catch big fish because you know it's a multi-species conversation but nicole definitely has some specialties if you go on her instagram or social medias or you follow any of her content uh, there's a whole bunch of it on the virtual angling app you know a bunch of video content there Nicole is definitely targeting big fish out of her kayak, uh, and it, her favorite, as we hear in this in the in her stories, as we hear in this interview, she really enjoys targeting muskies. And we're going to hear a story in this particular episode from a few years ago where she landed a 50-inch muskie in her kayak. That's very impressive. That is not something that just happens overnight. It takes a lot of experience and uh, a lot of know-how, a lot of figuring out stuff. Uh, usually, the hard way. Uh, to get to a skill level and get to a talent and give yourself an opportunity to catch and land a fish of that caliber in a kayak. So, very entertaining, like I said, uh, very educational, like I said. Let's get to it. Nicole King from northern Wisconsin. We're talking kayak fishing. Let's get to it. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CT360 from Brew City. The CT360 is a low-profile, heavy-duty pole-mounting system made specifically for forward-facing sonar. The usability, the ease of installation, the CT360 can be installed on a rail, on a track system, it can be fastened right to the gunnel, and the durability made out of nothing but high-quality materials is what sets the CT360 apart for Brew City. For more information, head to brewcitytms.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. From a fishing standpoint, your passion for fishing, like, where did you cut your teeth in fishing? Let's go back to, like, your earliest memories, and what are some of the, you know, fishing experiences that you remember, you recall, or that we just have to know to kind of get to know you as an angler? Yeah, so I started fishing at a really young age, like the typical out-for-pan fish, bluegills. Um, My dad would take me out open water and on the ice. And I was scared to death of bluegills and crappies. I couldn't take them off the hook on my own. I'd have to sit with like a towel on my lap and pinch them between my knees just to get the hook out. And that fear lasted in me for quite a while. Um, But once I got into like my teens, I grew up on a small creek and I'd go down there with my dad fishing and it had a little bit of everything. Suckers, smallmouth, walleye, pike, and even muskies. And that's where I slowly started gaining confidence with handling fish and unhooking them myself. So 
through my teens, I kind of fished here and there with my dad, never really on my own. And then once college hit, um, I started going off and fishing by myself. And fishing on my own kind of opened up a whole new world and territory just for my own kind of well-being where I gained some confidence in myself where I could go out and catch fish on my own. And yeah, that's kind of where my passion started to grow and stem from was in my college years. Um, And then my college years is also when I had my first real interaction with a nice size muskie. And that opened a whole new can of worms for me when it came to fishing. Tell me about that time that you remember. You were college, you were kind of having some of your own, building confidence in just going out on your own. Were you like, were you like trying to, you know, fish for some memories that you had, like when you were a kid with your dad, or was that like your first time to branch out with new species? And like, just talk to me about all the growth and everything, like just kind of reflecting on that time where you were just really exposing yourself and taking advantage of way more fishing opportunities. Yeah. So I don't know if I was necessarily fishing for like memories of when I went with my dad, but I knew I enjoyed it so much when I went with my dad and my mom, when she would fish as well that I kind of just wanted to continue growing that. And I could spend hours down on the creek. I would bridge hop from bridge to bridge. My passenger seat was always full of rods and tackle, and it still is to this day for anyone that knows me and has seen the inside of my vehicle. It's just that was like the second part of my life that I just would put all my time and energy to. If I wasn't out fishing, I was watching YouTube videos And looking at social media, trying to see what other people were doing and learn from that, say if it wasn't techniques my dad really knew, that I would just go on YouTube and kind of teach myself and then go out on the water and try to hone in on that, on whatever I was trying to do that day. So talk about like developing confidence like early on. What would you say, like did you sort of create like a home body of water? like somewhere that you were going regularly, just trying to kind of, you know, technically dial in some stuff? Or were you just always all over the board, just always experiencing something new every time? Um, In the beginning, I pretty much just stuck to shore fishing the creek that I grew up on. And I had probably four or five spots that I always went to. And once I learned a few techniques and got really good at those, I kind of plateaued on like my growth and just stuck to those things where it was when I was on the crick, it was a spinnerbait or a fluke. And I like mastered those two things, even though spinnerbait's not too hard to master, but just like honed in on those techniques, crankbaits. And then that's kind of all I stuck to. And then my dad and I would fish like our normal home bodies of water for bass or bluegills per se. But yeah, it was it wasn't probably until I started to branch out into the musky thing where I actually started pushing myself even further to learn new techniques and build the confidence. And it would just be go out and I'd throw it, throw it, catch a fish. And it's like, okay, now I need to replicate this every time. Yeah. 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 Like, tell me about that then let's get up to speed to kind of where you're at today. Like, like how would you describe yourself, you know, as an angler? Like, you know, I definitely want to talk about, you know, your experience fishing out of a kayak, 
because that's a huge thing in your life. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself a kayak angler? Uh, you musky fish a lot, but that's not exclusive to you. But do you still, you know, like, like, what do you consider yourself? Like, how, how would you package up sort of like, uh, you know, like your name tag, you know, industry wise? I guess my tag, even I think it's on like my Instagram is like, I'm fishing from shore, boat and kayak. Like I kind of do it all, whatever I'm feeling one day. Sometimes I like to wade the trout streams for hours on end. I'll go out in the boat with my dad and we'll fish for whatever we want. If I'm feeling like just a shore day where I just want to cast a few spots from shore, that's what I do. And then I spend a lot of my time in my kayak. Um, It's just, it's kind of just whatever I feel like for the day because I feel like I've grown so much in each aspect that it's hard for me to give one of them up to do another. So I try to stay well-rounded and especially with multi-species. I love to fish for everything. Muskies are my favorite, but depending on the time of the year, it might be trout for months on end. Then it'll transition to bass. And then once the panfish kind of go shallow, I'll focus on panfish for a while and then circle into the muskies. And then that just kind of rotates throughout the year. I've kind of kind of been on a walleye kick, but I will be truthful that I hardly know anything about walleye fishing. I dabble in it when I can, and <laughs> I kind of leave it at that. <laughs> well, how do you view yourself as a multi-species angler? Like, like you know, where do you think it is? it sort of started that you became to appreciate that, that, you know, the rest of us really, we kind of get, we pick a favorite and then we stick to it. We pick a favorite lake. We pick a favorite species. The rest of us don't, you know, venture out and really like dial in as much stuff as, as somebody like yourself and you do it a lot. And um, how would you sort of articulate that, for yourself like what does multi-species angling really mean to you yeah i think the multi-species the love for multi-species definitely stemmed from growing up on the creek that i did just because it had a little bit of everything so it wasn't abnormal for me to go out and catch suckers smallmouth bass and pike all in the same day sometimes i'd even go catch trout smallmouth and pike all out of the same body of water all in one day. So it was, it was that, that made me love fishing for everything and want to learn more about each one of those species kind of on their own. Um, and then as I got better and better, it was part of it probably to prove myself, you know, women in the fishing industry has grown so much, but when I really started fishing, And watching a lot of videos and looking at social media, there weren't as many women role models to look up to at that time than as than there is now. So it was to prove myself kind of prove to myself as a woman, I could do it and that I can be good at this as well. Um, And yeah, I just I love picking a species and being like, I'm going to go target trout today, brown trout, and I'm going to do everything I can to see what works. And then I'll have a couple good days doing that. And it's like, okay, I've mastered or, you know, I wouldn't say mastered. I don't think I'm a master of really anything in particular, but I enjoy doing it all. Like I said, I think that, you know, you know, the average person, like once we get a boat, 
And all of a sudden, like we just get so narrowly focused on something that whatever our hopes and dreams are. And that's fine too. But I feel like if you're on a journey to getting better, I've definitely started looking towards these multi-species anglers like yourself, these these leaders in the industry that, you know, are just uh, really appreciating a lot of different things. Because yeah, like you said, not if you only target one species, you're going to go through ups and downs in the season. Because not, you know, so it's like if you can just pick what's going good at the time. I love that. No, I want to kind of highlight, I want to highlight kayak angling. I've never had a show where we could really have, and I've never had anybody on that we could really shine good light on mm-hmm. this as a fishing opportunity. So maybe I'll maybe just pass this over to you a little bit and talk about, you know, how you got into fishing out of a kayak and just some of the first experiences that were really meaningful to you. Let's just sort of paint a good picture on, you know, the kayak angling experience that it can be. Yeah. So I started kind of dabbling in an idea of getting my own either boat or kayak or something. It was in like 2016 when I started fully musky fishing with my dad and really got the fire lit under me for that. My dad and I could only fish together once every couple weeks. And he was really the only going out with him was the only time I really got on the water at that time. And I knew it wasn't enough for me, especially to chase muskies. I wanted to fish for them as much as I possibly could. So that's when my kind of journey into trying to discover what I wanted and what would suit me best started. And I knew right away, I'll be straightforward. I do not know how to back a trailer up. So backing a boat into a lake by myself, I knew was something I was not comfortable doing. Also running a trolling motor just is very intimidating to me. So those two things alone kind of steered me towards the idea of a fishing kayak. Um, I really liked the idea that it was less maintenance than a boat. It was easy for a lot of solo fishing, which I do pretty much 95% of the time. Um, Also cheaper and more portable than a boat as well. So that's kind of what led me to start researching kayaks. Um, And I knew right away I wanted a kayak that I could musky fish out of. So I knew it had to be stable I knew it had to have a good amount of storage. And then I knew I needed to sit on top kayak because, you know, like sit in kayaks. They're like the perfect breeding ground for spiders. And I'm definitely afraid of spiders. So like that nixed to that immediately. Um, and back when I started researching kayaks, Hobie was a huge name. And they're, they were kind of like the Cadillac of fishing kayaks at that point. They were one of the few pedal drive kayaks. Um they're super stable and I researched them. I researched them for probably a year before I actually bit the bullet and bought my kayak that I have now. And I have the same kayak that I bought in 2018. Um, it's been really good to me. I've been able to grow into it and it's the first kayak I ever fished out of. I had never even dabbled in kayak fishing before I went out and bought this kayak that I have. Tell me the setup. Uh, tell me the setup. Like how like how big of a kayak are we talking? I mean, mm-hmm. leave, leave no stone unturned here as far as like rigging the stuff on there and like every every piece that you got on there because that is so impressive to me. But it's also important, I think, for 
you know, like later on, I want to ask you about efficiencies and, you know, just, just how you fish out of these things. So let's just like lay the yeah. groundwork down on your setup. Yeah. So my kayak that I have is a, it's called a pro angler 12. So it's a 12 foot kayak. It weighs about 120 pounds, not fully with like everything in it. So for transportation, I knew I, I had a Ford Focus at the time. And I knew I wasn't going to be putting this heavy of a kayak on top of my car. So I did buy a truck. So I knew I could haul it in the bed of my truck for easy transportation. Um, and then it's a pedal drive, so I don't have to paddle it, but I usually carry a half of a paddle with me at all times, just in case something were to break. Um, and then I have it rigged with a Lowrance, um, hook five so it has down scan but it doesn't have side imaging uh, nowadays i'd love a fish finder with side imaging i think it would be a big help but i'm content with the fish finder i have i also run a live scope on it occasionally i don't oh, keep dang. it on the kayak yeah. all the time but i just started mounting it on the kayak this year just when i go out for certain species like i'll use it for panfish and smallmouth bass sometimes but I also like a kayak because it's pretty minimalistic. You can make it as complex as you want to with add-ons. And I kind of tend to keep mine on just the more basic side. I usually carry only two to four rods at all times with me. And then my tackle goes in the back. And that's kind of it. I do mount a lot, or not a live scope. I mount a gopro on it because i do like to record my catches and get good pictures just for memory's sake that i can look back on yeah 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 tell me about the growth like you know this is your rig that you've had now for you know mm -hmm. six going on seven years whatever like talk to me about some of the learning curve talk to me about some of your own development as an angler, because getting into kayak angling, like you were already fishing a bunch before you even got a kayak. And so you probably had a few skills and, uh, you know, just some experience that you mm -hmm. brought into this part of your career. Talk to me about, you know, some of those things that you brought into kayak angling that, you know, but then there's some things that you had to learn brand new because that are kind of exclusive to the, you know, mm -hmm. the way you fish in a kayak. Talk to me about some of that development and the learning that has gone on with just is anything that comes to mind. Yeah. So the first thing I had to learn was getting in the kayak was balance. You know, I have a sit on top kayak, so my seat sits a little higher, but leaning over to net fish or leaning to get fish out of a net, I really had to think about how I was positioning my center of gravity before I would just lean over to get a fish. Because if you don't offset your weight in the kayak, you're going to tip it. <laughs> it. It'll happen. I've fallen out of mine once. So that was one big skill. So I... I definitely knew that was going to be something going into kayak fishing. So I really started off small. I started targeting bass and panfish before I jumped into the bigger species. And then the other thing is kayaks are slow if you don't have a motor on them. And so you really need to think about when you're hitting the water, how, where you want to start and how you want to break down that water to be the most efficient and use your time on the water as best you can. So it's a lot more like studying lake maps and knowing, okay, if I want to fish on this point, 
how do I want to work the rest of the lake to make it worth my while and like time wise? Oh, and yeah. Com- yeah, that's been a really big one, especially not so much with bass and panfish, but when it comes to the musky fishing side of it, I like to follow moon phases. Some people don't believe in them. Some people do, but I like to be on my best spots on my body of water that I'm fishing on moon. So if I get on the water at eight o'clock in the morning and moon isn't until 10, I don't want to start on my best spot. I kind of want to work up to that spot. So I know I'll be on it in two hours. So breaking down water that way has been interesting and kind of time consuming to learn what my abilities are for how fast I can get from one spot to the next. This episode of the JMO podcast is brought to you by the CT360 made by Brew City. The CT360 is a heavy duty, low profile, very versatile pole mounting system made specifically for operating forward facing sonar. This is a very durable product made out of high quality materials, very versatile and easy to use as well as easy to install. It can be incorporated onto a rail system or a track or just attached directly to the gunnel if you know exactly where you want it to be. For more information on Brew City's CT360 pole mounting system, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That is BrewCityTMS.com. Fishing out of a kayak puts that much more pressure. Like you're saying it where it's like you really have to understand your efficiencies in, you know, mm-hmm. just logistics. And so you don't, you can't afford to, you know, overlook certain things or, you know, there's a less room for error in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, yeah, just giving yourself the opportunities. So like you got to be able to find the sweet spots. But could you like maybe look back on some memories of like, how you learned how to fight fish, big fish, boat side, mm-hmm. and stay in the game and like do it effectively. Has that just not been that difficult? Because it looks like you had to learn it's a that. Lot, it's a lot of trial and error. I've lost plenty of fish boat side. Like I used to store my net behind me, behind like at the back of my kayak. And when I bought my new net, it's heavier than my old one because I needed to upsize my net because I knew I was going to be targeting targeting lakes with bigger muskies in them. Um, so my new net is heavy. And the first time I went to net a muskie with it and I had it stored behind me on my kayak, I lost the muskie because I was too busy trying to get the net up and over the GoPro and trying to maintain the right direction to keep pressure with the bait and the fish. And it just became a lot. So one big thing is just my net placement. I keep my net at the front of my kayak. It's always at the ready. All I have to do is grab it with my right hand and slide it over. I don't have to go up and over anything anymore. And then It kind of depends on the baits, too. One thing I didn't touch on but I'll touch on now is it's really hard in a kayak to hook fish effectively because there's so much movement in the kayak when you set the hook. In a boat, you set the hook. The boat's heavy. It doesn't move hardly at all. In the kayak, the second you set the hook, your kayak is turning towards that fish no matter what you do. 
it's also when you set the hook, your kayak's going to rock back a little bit with your hook set, and then it's going to rock forward. So you're having two points of movement with your hook set that could potentially cause you to lose pressure on the fish. So that's one thing I've had to kind of try to learn and anticipate and also just understand that it's just not always going to be right. Yeah. And I'm going to lose and miss. I miss a lot of fish, especially on rubber baits. Rubber is difficult because it's heavy and it's tough. And when you set the hook, you have to set it even harder than a typical lure. And typically it's something you're jigging or ripping where you're ha- you're kind of ripping on slack line. And that's also another point when you can miss fish. So that in and of itself makes it difficult when it comes to netting the fish. Some people like to wear the fish out and get it so it's not so green by the time they net it. With muskies, I try to net them as soon as I possibly can, even if they're green. I try to get it just so they're turning towards me and just dig that net as deep as I can into the water to get them to swim in. And typically that's how I get most of my muskies, just uh, getting them to turn towards the net and letting them swim into it. So you're aware that it's not going to be perfect. You know, you Mm -hmm. talk about netting them. You talk about getting them as green as you can. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, is there anything like special or different? Do you actively choose baits? Not like maybe if, if throwing rubber is the, the thing that musky anglers are the pattern you're supposed to be doing. Do you, Mm -hmm. do you just actively choose the baits so you have more confidence in the hook set like what's some of your you know part of your just your strategy and maybe your um, decision making to try to you know keep that advantage slightly towards you oh see I I try to throw lures I have the most confidence in which are going to be usually my straight retrieve baits like bucktails where it's just one fluid motion. You're just reeling straight in. And when that fish hits, you can, you feel them hit and you set the hook immediately. Um, But when I know I'm on a lake where it's a good rubber bite, it's hard for me to put, put that down. And I, I kind of have to give myself pep talks like, okay, you know, you're throwing like a red October tube. It's a 10 inch tube. It looks like those little old, like crappie jigs, the tiny crappie jigs with the little tentacles on the bottom tube jig almost, but it's a 10 inch one. It's massive, musky sized. And I get so many bites. I get so many hits on that. And it's so hard for me to pin fish because of the way I work that bait. But part of it for me is I just love knowing I'm doing something right and they're eating. And if I don't get them to the kayak, it sucks. If I don't get them to the net, that sucks. But what I'm doing is hard. And I've I've come to terms with that and kind of been lenient on myself with that over the years that I'm contacting fish and I know I'm doing something right. One of these times they'll make it to the net. Because when you're working when you're working rubber baits in a kayak, when you're ripping them, you're ripping medusas, bulldogs, tubes, you know, there's a little bit of slack or play on that pause and the other part of it is when you're ripping it you're turning your kayak towards that bait every time you rip it so you're almost always having to rip in the opposite direction so I know my strongest hook sets to my right if I'm in a boat I'm always ripping the rubber to my right or an upswing every once in a while to try to trigger a bite 
But because of how much that moves my kayak, I have to rip it to the left to correct the positioning of my kayak. And those darn fish always know when I'm ripping it to the left and then that's my weak side and they eat. And, you know, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. It's just another piece of the puzzle. You know, I may or may not ever buy a kayak. I'm definitely curious about them Mm -hmm. in the last year or so just seeing how popular they are getting and just you know the experiences people are having like you know but even if I never did like get a kayak to myself um learning how to fight big fish and I'm not just Mm -hmm. talking about muskies like a big walleye a big Mm -hmm. largemouth bat like any like upsized hard fighting fish Mm -hmm. we could all use like more advice we could all use more you know like like that's always a struggle you know Mm -hmm. and like the finesse sometimes that it requires and in other cases you know if you're pulling cranks you just gotta pull them to the net you just gotta winch them in you know Mm -hmm. like and it, it depends on your setup it depends on the situation but like that level of awareness really i think only comes from experience but us talking about it i don't know i i feel like i get a lot out of that um, you mm-hmm. know, somebody that has paid like just expensive tuition, deciding that you want to target muskies a whole bunch out of a kayak. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I get a lot out of it, and uh, yeah, so I, I I'm all about those kind of stories. Um, you know, and that kind of I haven't even really asked you the most cliche question yet, but like talking about just the reward and what you really love about mm-hmm. fishing out of a kayak at this point in your in your career you know we're kind of already we've already shared some stories we've already shared some learning we've already described your setup we're kind of you know we're into this but you know how would you articulate what it is that you love about fish the the, the experiences and successes that you've had fishing mm-hmm. out of a kayak um you know, just, yeah, as simple as that. Maybe not like in competition of fishing out of a boat or maybe mm-hmm. not one versus the other, but just just when you look at your favorite experiences, like how much of fishing out of a kayak has really contributed to your, you know, overall enjoyment of it all? Yeah. The kayak, I think, has become my favorite for the biggest reason that I know I'm putting the work in. I'm the one taking the kayak out. I'm pedaling it across the lake. I'm positioning it. I'm the one making the casts. I'm choosing the lures. I'm netting my fish. Like I, I feel, I love catching fish no matter where, if it's in a boat, if it's on shore, if it's with friends, if it's not, but I get the most enjoyment and satisfaction when I know I put in the work. I'm the type of person that has booked guide trips and been like, can I bring my own lures and like my own rod? Cause like, I want to throw my own stuff. <laughs> Cause oh, yeah. you can tell me to throw a bait and I'm not going to want to throw it. I'm going to want to throw mine. I've got a little bullheaded and that might be part of it too. I'm bullheaded and I want to do it because I know I can. That's yeah. a big part of the kayak. And then the kayak, it's just, it's quiet. I, I'm a nurse. I work in healthcare and, you know, I'm with umpteen different people a day, so many different personalities. And when I'm out on the lake, it's just me and it's quiet. And it's kind of almost like a meditation in a way is, is 
kind of silly as that can sound, once I'm on the water, I'm just casting. I don't have to think about anything. I mean, I can try to think about what the fish are doing and get really in-depth and, you know, challenge myself. Or I can just go out there and cast and take in nature and just be in the quiet and be in my own head. And so I think it's where I do some of my best de-stressing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's super relatable on many levels. I think... You know, this isn't exclusive to young people, but like, think about like young people that are just ready to get out of their dad's boat or they're ready to flourish and kind of be more independent in their fishing opportunities. Man, I tell you what, even like the most elite kayak setup is, um, you know, a heck of a lot cheaper than a middle of the road boat setup, you know, anymore. You know, like this day and age where, high-end boats like a high-end you know i mean i guess electronics plays a lot into it but like mm-hmm. a really high-end uh a kayak setup would be like what like seven eight ten grand where you could probably it theoretically, can be, yeah. yeah like that's insane right well, yeah that, well like an insane walleye boat's like 130 grand well that's a big mm-hmm. difference like you know yeah like a super elite kayak setup that will put you like in a really cool category of like stuff and really you know like you know, be pretty, pretty, uh, sound, uh, operationally would be, you know, in comparison, it's like, there's like no comparison, but you know, you, you said a few things, you talk about, you know, the, the, you know, just the de-stressing and the, you know, I think that we can all relate to that. We all like to fish just to get a little bit away from everything. But one mm-hmm. thing I talk about a lot on here, things that we're learning with forward sonar on all types of fish, summer and winter, you know, being quiet, you know, quite literally mm-hmm. is an advantage in fishing in getting uh, uh, close enough to catch fish because we're realizing now more than ever that we're pushing fish. We're not we're not realizing how much we're bumping fish and, you know, scaring fish. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, just you know, just not just a, a walleye thing or, you know, that's that's everybody all the time everywhere. Like, you know, do you feel like there's some situations that you can find yourself in in a kayak where you kind of feel like you have the advantage over other setups over boats and that sort of thing yeah I definitely think the the noise factor is a huge part of it you know I in my kayak I hardly make any noise I can pedal along in shallow water deep water and there's no motors there's my fish finder but the first two years I fished in the kayak I didn't have a fish finder either so it's just the, the quietness. I definitely think I get a lot more follows. I can go out on one of my lakes in my kayak and raise six fish and go out with my dad in his boat. And we hit, we you know, fish it the same way, same distance from weeds, whatever. And it could be the day. It could be the weather. It could just be not a good day for fish, but we won't see anything. And then I'll go back out again the next day and see some fish. So is it, is it just the fish? Is it the noise? You can't say for sure, but I've had muskies swim directly under my kayak. I've had a muskie swim up to my kayak, and I'm pretty sure it bumped the front of my kayak with with its nose. I'm not kidding. It sounds absurd, but <laughs> it happened. Oh, so yeah. So it's like, yeah, it, I definitely think the noise is part of it. The stealth, you can go in that shallow water without making a ton of disruption. It's Yeah, I think that that's... 
I I kind of overthink a lot of that stuff and kind of um I kind of dwell on a lot of that stuff that we're learning and just kind of like listening to people's stories. I think that's a huge mm-hmm. one. I think that's a huge one that we're learning um we're you know forward sonar is really teaching us a lot as far mm-hmm. as fish behavior and all that. But we don't have to have forward sonar once we once we sort of hear other people's experiences with that stuff, you can kind of mm-hmm. start to gain confidence in yourself and other, you know, areas of your strategy, just factoring it in as like a data point that mm-hmm. like, oh, being quiet is a good deal. Like, like I can totally imagine. And that doesn't even count in, you know, um, you know, just like small lakes or places that don't have really good boat ramps. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. that's an obvious fishing opportunity for somebody in a kayak. But, you know, before we completely run out of time, like um, not that time's a huge factor here, but like I do want to get back to, you know, you talk about breaking down water. Give me like mm-hmm. give me like a story, some examples, some of the things that you learned and maybe one maybe some light bulb moment moments, like anything that comes to mind as far as like your learning curve with breaking down water on maps and understanding more of your efficiencies and just pinpointing productive water mm-hmm. that you can efficiently fish. Like talk to me about that sort of growth since you started fishing out of a kayak to where you're at today. Yeah, I guess I I don't get super in depth with breaking down water because my I my main go to confidence in what I fish almost all the time is going to be weed edges. If you see me on a bottom of water, I'm nine out of ten fishing a weed edge. It might be a deep weed edge, which I've learned to target since I've got my own fish finder and I've been able to find like deep cabbage beds or deep weed edges. That's something I never would have fished before. Um, it always a shallow surface, like um, shoreline weeds is was what I would go with. But now that I have like a sonar and I can look at lake maps and kind of say, oh, this looks like an area that would hold like good deep weeds or there's a good break off here that might hold bait on the edge of that. Those are kind of the areas I look for. And then I go out on the water, graph it out see what I can see on my down imaging and then fish it from there. But when I'm breaking down water, it's usually always once I get to the lake so I can see good wind. How is the wind actually blowing? Because we all know you look at the wind forecast on your weather app and then you get to the lake and it's like two times different. But looking at where the wind's blowing, is it going to be pushing warmer water into that area? Is there current? Those are all things I kind of take into consideration. If I can find a bay with weeds and current and wind blowing in it, that that's going to be my number one spot probably to go to. What would be like your best fishing story from recently? Like one where you were just kind of like fist pumping and you just couldn't wait to call your friends and tell them about it. I guess last fall I had a good one. I had a lake where I caught my 50 inch muskie out of a few years ago hang on and it's a 50 out of a kayak no yeah yeah holy cow that was that was probably one of my most rewarding fishing things that i've ever had happen but that was just like i said a deep weed line offshore casting a bucktail and it ate right at the kayak i didn't even know what was happening um I just saw something big and brown coming behind my lure and it was so big that my brain was like, is that a sturgeon? 
because <laughs> it just wow. didn't look like a muskie. It looked so big. And then it ate, and all I could say was, oh, my God. Yeah. Because adrenaline takes over for me. I think that's part of the reason I love fishing. It's always an adrenaline rush. But, yeah, that 50 was my highlight of my whole entire fishing career. Oh, my gosh, out of a kayak. That's wild. Yeah. And then last fall, I was fishing that same lake with a sucker. I had a sucker out. I named it Big Bertha. It was like the biggest sucker that I could find. And I only had one with me that day. And I lost a massive muskie on it. Hooks bent out on the hook set, which it should never happen. I'm not really quite sure why. It's probably a 50 plus incher. And I lost it. Boats were around me, saw me lose it. It was heartbreaking and devastating. But oh, I persevered through the day. And I knew that I was in the right spot because I had missed I had lost that fish I had missed another earlier in the day working this deep weed edge light wind blowing into it and I put on a big rubber swim bait this is one of the instances where I put the tube down because I knew my hookup percentage was not very good on that and I picked up a big swim bait and it was getting to be evening time it was going to start getting dark soon and I had missed a fish on the swim bait earlier and I went back to that spot and it got crushed Right at the boat, I couldn't see the fish in the figure eight. I was just kind of doing a deep blind figure eight, and she hit, and it was a 47-incher. And it was just, it was that moment where it's like, I could have given up after that. I lost that 50 and my hooks bent out. I could have given up when I lost the other fish on a tube earlier that day. Could have given up when I missed the one that hit the swim bait and never got hooks. But, like, I stuck with it. I knew what I was confident in. I knew I was in the right spot. And it just, it paid off. Oh, yeah. You can do that in a boat. You can do that from shore. It doesn't have to be from a kayak. It's just staying in the right mindset when you're out on the water and persevering through the tough times is. Oh, yeah. Is important. Oh, yeah. Confidence is key, even if it's like false confidence, even if you're like Mm -hmm. just sort of brainwashing yourself. Yeah, I, I would take a lot out of that because I think, too, like, uh, you know, we're not talking about, we're not talking about being in a boat where, you know, if that area, like two missed big fish in an area, like sometimes just to clear our heads as anglers, Mm -hmm. um, or just to kind of clean the palate, cleanse the palate, you, you would just get out of there. You just go Mm -hmm. drive halfway across the lake and start fishing something else because it sort of helps us as anglers sort of like wash off that those those failed attempts or whatever you know Mm -hmm. in in a kayak you just don't necessarily have that luxury so it is kind of a decision of like well if I feel like this is the best area I'm either going to stay here or the only other option is you know realistically the other option would be maybe I just go load up yeah Um, and that's how it is on that on this lake in particular it's a big body of water I launch at one launch and I fish that shoreline all day long back and forth because I can't for me to get to another good spot on the lake. We all know lakes can look good, but certain areas aren't going to hold fish to get to another good fish spot. It'd take me forever. And then by the time I'd get there, I'd have to commit. So this is the lake where I launch and I commit to one spot all day long and it's either going to be on or it's not going to be on. 
Yeah, but and you probably learn a lot. Like, you probably know more about some of those weed lines that are within two miles of those boat ramps than anybody that's lived there their whole lives. And they put a boat on uh, in, and the first thing they do yeah. is drive across the lake. And you I'll know? tell you, in over the years of fishing, you know, I have my lakes that I always fish. They're my numbers lakes or the ones I've learned, and I just know them the best. Almost all my fish come on previous waypoints. The shoreline with the big ones, they all came on previous waypoints. I'm hardly ever getting fish in different spots. It's always the same three or four spots on that section or the same. So it's like you you hone in those like oh, spot yeah. on the spot is what they'd call it. And yeah. sometimes you, I can say, oh, this is why it's so good. And sometimes it's like, this is a straight weed line. And I, they always come off of this point. So there's got to be something different down there. Can't always put my finger on it, but you just... You, in the kayak, you're slow. You break down water, I think, a little bit more efficiently because it's a slower pace. And yep. it helps you just hone in on those, just those little changes and whatever you're fishing that gives you that spot on the spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I take a lot out of that. I, I think that, uh, yeah, no, I I think it's a totally worthwhile conversation. Even, even uh, you know, for me, I can't say for sure that I'll ever own like a super dialed in kayak like yours, mm-hmm. but I can still take a ton away from just listening to somebody that fishes a lot, regardless of how they do it. Fishes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can just always find a way, you know, to take something and draw something from that. So anyways, I'm really happy that we've covered some great stuff. I, I hopefully you feel in some way the same way. I take a lot out of these interviews and people's experiences. We're going to have to draw the line somewhere, but that being said, Promote your stuff, your socials, like anybody that ever has a question or if they ever want to like, where can they find you or find your stuff? Um, anything that you want to promote, sponsors, whatever, you can throw it out right oh, now. Yeah. So social media wise, you can finally find me most active on Instagram, which is Nicole Lynn underscore outdoors. And then Facebook is Nicole Lynn outdoors. Um, I have some really great sponsors that have been behind me for years. One being Lakewood products. They're what I store all my baits in, whether I'm bass fishing, musky fishing, they've been so good and their products have been incredible. Um, tuned up custom rods, virtual angling, obviously I've done some content for them. And then DSG outerwear. It's a women's clothing brand. They also do hunting, snowmobiling. They're fantastic. So I've got a lot of, a lot of good companies that I stand behind and that stand behind me that make fishing even better than it already is. And then Fish USA is another great one where I order a lot of my tackle from. Right on. Right on. That'll be what we'll have to talk about next time. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get more specific on some patterns and some bait, some presentations and some setups. We just didn't have time in it this one, but I really just wanted to focus on just what you're you know what you love about fishing out of a kayak because i definitely want to have a good a show that gives a little bit of love to that category in the industry because it is a growing and you know part of the industry and uh yeah i think people should be paying attention to it as an as an opportunity for sure and that it's really great and um it's not a secondary opportunity i think that you know this this conversation proves that i mean you know some of the best fishing experiences that you maybe could have or depending upon where you're at or where what's around you you know kayak fishing out of a kayak realistically is 
maybe one of the most underappreciated for certain individuals. Um, you know, they might think that they're trying to save up for a, you know, $40,000 boat, but they're, you know, they're, they could be fishing right now uh, on a super high level and learning a lot and uh, having a great time. Uh, which is all what we're looking for. So anyways, that's where we're going to have to end it. Nicole, I appreciate the time so much. And uh, yeah, I'll let you back to it for real this time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CT360 from Brew City. The CT360 is a low-profile, heavy-duty pole mounting system made specifically for forward-facing sonar. The usability, the ease of installation, the CT360 can be installed on a rail, on a track system, it can be fastened right to the gunnel, and the durability made out of nothing but high-quality materials is what sets the CT360 apart for Bruce City. For more information, head to brucecitytms.com. That link is in the description of this podcast.